I love to whimper. Oh, do I like to whimper and whine. It's fun. You know, whimpering and whining is one of the best ways to avoid conflict. I mean, you know, if you, if, if you get into some kind of a fight and, and, and you don't like the fight and, and you're sort of passive in some ways and it's nice, well, why do, I, why do all these things happen to me? Why do I always have trouble? Why do I have financial troubles? Why do I have domestic troubles? Why do my kids always give me trouble? Why do I have a bad priest? Why do I have all these things that go wrong in my life? And, you know, the truth is, many of us do spend a whole lot of our lives whining, especially in the spiritual dimension, and we wonder why we get it. You know, why are we always at war? Why, is it, why do we have problems? Other people don't seem to have problems. I do. Well, I love this uh, epistle that was read today because that's what I'm going to work with. Yeah, this is a really common epistle. I memorized this thing when, I don't know, probably 12 years old, 11 years old. Every kid in my church memorized this. It would be unthinkable not to know it. And so I learned, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. And, you know, we always start our epistle readings, or most of the time we just stick the word brethren in there. It's actually in there this time, except the finally is also in the text. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand. It was read well by Peter, but there's a couple of things I want you to get here. To stand against the wiles. Hang on to that word, wiles. Against the wiles of the devil. Uh, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the present darkness, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore... Take the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand in the evil day and having done all, stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the equipment of the gospel of peace. Besides all these, taking the shield of faith with which you can quench all the flaming darts of the evil one and above all, the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, you've heard it twice this morning. It's a, it's a, a remarkable passage. First of all, I, I was once kind of a wrestling coach. I mean, I really don't know anything about it. I've watched a lot of wrestling. If you've been much in the Midwest, you know, wrestling's really a big deal there, especially in high school and in college. They make a big deal out of it. In fact, at the school I was at or where, where we came from, sometimes wrestling, a wrestling match would get more people to come than a basketball game or a football game. It was just such a big deal. Well, now, the word that's used in here says, St. Paul, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Now, let me tell you what my guys looked like. Now, I, I became a wrestling coach. I was teaching in a high school in Minneapolis, and the dumb, stupid wrestling coach got married. Now... I mean, that's why he was dumb and stupid. No, he got himself married, and he, he insisted on going on a honeymoon. And this was after about the third wrestling match of the year, and so I got stuck coaching the wrestling team for the rest of the year. Now, what I, I want to tell you, my guys went out there to wrestle, and they did not look like what I just read to you. They did not have a helmet. They did not have a breastplate. They did not have a sword. They, did, they didn't have anything on their feet except times these cute little booties. Uh, it, it, this is sort of an odd text, isn't it? He says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, 
But when he describes about how you carry on the wrestling match, he describes a Roman soldier. Now, this is rather difficult to comprehend unless you have read Gallius Domine and Tres Partes Duis Est. Uh, if you've read Julius Caesar, uh, then maybe you would have an idea of what's going on here. I did get the chance uh, to read Julius Caesar in Latin. It, it actually, I remember some of it. What is most astonishing when you read the Gaelic Wars or you read any of those old battles, folks, when Paul says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, and you read the description of a war, where the, a, a battle where Roman soldiers were fighting, the text becomes very clear. Because Roman soldiers weren't one guy against another guy in a mat, in a ring, where there was a referee, uh, and where somebody eventually either got pinned or somehow one guy got his arm raised. What happened in those days was that one guy ended up dead and the other one probably ended up wounded. And what they did was they went into hand-to-hand -hand combat. I remember reading the story of one battle. In one hour and a half, this is almost as bad as our Civil War, 40,000 soldiers were dead on the battlefield in one and a half hours. Now, that's not where it ended. They were tired, the ones that survived and were alive and some wounded. So they didn't usually do too much the rest of the day but recover. They went back the next morning, and that's where they took the spoils. And here's dead guys lying all over the ground, dead soldiers, some still alive but wounded, and are going to die, groaning, moaning. And while they're groaning and moaning, the, moaning, the ones that are still alive, they, the soldiers that survive are taking the spoils of war. They're taking the, any gold, any jewelry, anything of value, and just leave the rest of them to die. So when you read, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. This is the image you need to have in your mind. This is not the University of Iowa having a wrestling match. They're one of the best schools in wrestling in the world, okay? That's not what it is. This is a pitched battle. And the battle is for survival. And that's what St. Paul is talking about. And what he's going to tell us is how we can win it. But what we often fail to realize is that we're in the war almost all the time. And sometimes we get so discouraged when we find ourselves in the battle because we think, why me? How come I always have these problems? I thought this was supposed to be an exciting and wonderful life. I thought if there were any problems in my life, it was because I wasn't walking rightly with God. That's what I was taught. If there were a problem, something's wrong with you. If there's not a problem, something's wrong with you. That's where the problem comes. But we'd rather whimper and whine, right? At least I would. Why do I have to fight this battle? I've been fighting it for 75 years. Isn't there ever a let-up? You know what the answer is? No. No, not at all. Furthermore, do you know when you got inducted into the Army? Do you know when you got inducted into it? Yeah, most of you don't remember, do you? At your baptism. That's where your parents or you yourself, signed up for battle. You say, what do you mean? You know, every time I do a baptism, I hear this stuff. 
Literally, every single time we do a baptism, I hear these things. With the text that was read in mind uh, in the baptismal service, I want to read to you just a, a few pieces of the prayers at your baptism. Here's one. We're going to do the anointing with the oil. This is before the actual baptism, and we're going, you know, we anoint the face, the hands, you know, the ears and the feet and so on, the breast. And so here is the prayer just before that. Bless also this holy oil with the power and operation and indwelling of thy Holy Spirit that it may be an anointing unto incorruption, here's the clause I want, and armor of righteousness to the renewing of soul and body to the averting of every assault of the devil to deliverance from all evil of those who shall be anointed therewith in faith or who are partakers thereof. There you got it. Right smack in the early part of your baptism. You're being already equipped. It's assumed you're going to go to war. All right. Now, uh, you get your armor there. That's part of it, at least. And then, in the chrismation, which comes right after the baptism, here's the middle of one of the prayers. This is before we do the seal of the gift of the Holy Spirit. And you say seal? This before it. Okay, here's what it says. Do thou, the same master, compassionate king. <sighs> compassionate king. Well, what's coming next doesn't look all that compassionate. Do thou, the same master, compassionate king of all, grant also unto him the seal of the gift of thy holy and almighty and adorable spirit in participation in the holy body and precious blood of thy Christ, Keep him in thy sanctification, confirm him in the orthodox faith, deliver him from the evil one and from the machinations of the same. And that word machinations goes right above us, right? Because who in this place knows what a machination is? I'll tell you what a machination is. You tell me from the text that we read this morning, and I'll promise you the same word in the Greek text. The wiles. That's what it said in the text. Here's what it says. Put on the whole armor of God so you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, what's a wile or what's a machination? It's a dirty trick scheme. That's what it is. A machination is a deception. It's a scheme. You see, the devil is not stupid, but he's not all-powerful. And that creates a problem. Because the text says, here we go, let's start it again. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, you've got an unequal battle here, right? Strong in the Lord, in the power of his might... Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes, the machinations, the wiles of the devil. Now, what you've got here is the power of God and the devil. I promise you, one side's better than the other. One is all-powerful and the other one has some strength. It should not be a significantly difficult battle. As a matter of fact, where we do one of the most triumphant celebrations of where this battle went into being is when at Easter we sing, Christ is risen from the dead, trampling down death by death. 
wasn't even a contest, was it? I mean, just boom, the ties of death could not hold Christ. That okay, so we're to put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, but we're to do this in the strength of the Lord. That's why you got baptized, by the way. All this happens at the same time. Now let me read to you just a couple of more things here, and then we'll put some application to this. Also in the chrismation service, here's what we pray. Maintain the shield of his faith unassailed by the enemy. Preserve pure and unpolluted the garment of incorruption wherewith thou hast endowed him, upholding and violate him by thy grace the seal of the Spirit, and showing mercy unto him and unto us through thy mercies. And then we pray, keep him ever a warrior invincible in every attack of those who assail him and us, and make us all victors even unto the end through thy crown incorruptible. Now, there you go. You just heard the story of what a Christian's life is going to be like if you walk with God. Now, I can tell you how to avoid that battle. Flake out. Quit. Just quit. Give up. There won't be much of a battle. Of course, you're defeated. But, you know, you might as well whimper and whine and just lose. But if you're going to stand, that's what the text says, right? If you're going to stand, expect a constant war. It won't be every single minute. It's just every other minute. There's the little times of relief in between. But you are going to have conflict. And it's not going to be in a ring with a referee and with boundaries. It's going to be in a contest where your enemy has no ethics whatsoever. He has one desire, and that's to devour you. That's the word that is used. Your enemy, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. How do lions devour people? They eat them. This is not just a, oh, you know, I know you're a Christian, says the devil, and I'm going to devour you, so I'm just going to set you over here and have a time out. No, the goal is to devour you. You are always going to be in a war. It'll come over and over again, and it's a wrestling, and it's a wrestling unto death. And if he can destroy you, or if his armies, if his hosts can destroy you, they will. And so what do you do? What you do is you fight. How many times will I say this before I die? The biggest difference in what I was taught as a child about living as a Christian, and what I discovered is being a Christian when I came into this faith is that to be a Christian involves you in an incredible, complicated, devastating war. I, it was supposed to be oh, probably 5,000, maybe 10,000 times. I don't know how many times I said it. I counted it up once. The Christian life is the most wonderful and fantastic and thrilling and exciting life imaginable. I'm sorry I said it that way. You know, it kind of is, kind of, after the battle's over and you won. But during the battle, it's not that way now, is it? Sometimes it's really grim, and then temptations are real, and that's how the battle wages. It's not just temptations. We actually have these, there's three great enemies that come to you that the devil uses to get after you in battle. The world. 
the flesh, your own passions, and the devil, and you get all three of those together, you got, you got, you got big problems on your hands, okay? So what are you going to do about it? Well, what you're going to do about it, what you're not going to do about it. There's such a cute little story. It's so cute. I don't know how many times I heard this cute little story. Johnny, you see, all little boys are named Johnny in illustrations. Johnny is being tempted by the devil. Johnny is attacked by the devil. He's tempted. And so he goes to his dad and he says, Daddy, what do I do when I'm attacked by the, when, when the devil comes and knocks on my door? What do I do when the devil comes and knocks on my door to tempt me? And Johnny's daddy says, when the devil comes and knocks on your door, send Jesus to answer the door. Don't you teach your children that? Because it's not the way it happens. You have to go to the door. And you've got to answer it, but you can answer it in the strength of Christ's might. You and the Lord can go to the door together. But the Lord's not going to go to the door and leave you inside. You've got to go too. It's both. It is a co-war. That is, you have someone on your side who is far more powerful than the enemy. But you do have to go. And what you're going to have to do is be armed. One of the best things you want to do is to arm yourself, to arm your head. Put on a helmet. I love to watch football. We saw one last night. Some poor guy got kneed in the head. He got kneed in the helmet as a running back was going by him and just knocked him silly. Just knocked him silly. What would have happened if the helmet hadn't been on? He wouldn't have been back in the game. He did come back into the game, by the way probably with a concussion, but he did come back into the game. They needed him. We do most anything to win. But you first, you protect your head. You're really vulnerable in a battle like that. You better put something on your head. What are you going to wear? What you put on in baptism, the helmet of salvation. That's where you start. You start with the helmet of salvation, this whole relationship that you now have with God. In baptism, you put on Christ. We're going to sing it as we go around here. As many as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. What an astonishing thing. We, what do we do next? As many as have been baptized have put on Christ. We're getting them ready for the war. But what do we say in the song? What's the next words? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Isn't that right? As many as have been baptized in to put on Christ, alle we do it very subduedly. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. The helmet of salvation. Uh, having your loins girt about with truth. Well, you better have truth with you. Because if you don't have truth, you know what happens when you get into the war? You start to doubt. Is it worth it? Is it worth waging this battle? I am under such an attack. What if Christianity is not true? What if there's no God? What if life is a bad joke that isn't even funny? What if all those things? What if, what if, what if? You better have truth. Because if you don't have truth, you're going to quit. Because it's not worth dying for a lie, is it? Your loins girt about with truth. Helmet of salvation. Your loins girt about with truth. Breastplate of righteousness. You know why you need to have righteousness as a breastplate? 
What does the breastplate cover? It covers your heart. You better have your heart protected, folks. Because you know where the devil is going to attack you. Now, wiles. Remember wiles, machinations, schemes. The word devil means deceiver. That's the meaning of the word. The other name we use for the devil, Satan, is the word accuser. And when you get into the war, what the devil loves to do to you is accuse you. And when you're accused, we usually start to whimper. I didn't do that. Every day of my life, I feel accusations coming against me. The only difference at my age now, I say, I know that's not from the Lord. Those accusations are coming from the devil. He's accusing me. God doesn't accuse me. The devil accuses me. But I need the breastplate of righteousness on because there's nothing that'll stab you in the heart faster than if the devil can accuse you and you accept it. If you accept it, well, you're guilty, you're done for. Breastplate of righteousness. Loins girt about with truth, helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, and your feet. You know, you know why you need good shoes on your feet? St. Paul says you need to flee. Sometimes the very best defense is to flee. For example, says St. Paul, flee fornication. Folks, I've lived a long time. Let me tell you how you deal with sexual temptations. You don't stand there and say, I'm going to show how strong I am. You just about lost it right then and there. What you do is you turn and run with your feet, shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Get out of there! And then, there's only one offensive weapon. Only one. Everything else is defense. The sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. I was taught really well there. I was taught. Psalm 119, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. What did Jesus do when the devil came and tempted him? Well, he actually quoted the Bible, didn't he? He actually did. It's a weapon. The sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Not just a mechanical thing, quoting Bible verses, but it's taking the truth of God and using it offensively. The devil comes and he tempts Jesus, and the devil actually thought this was a real battle. He's trying to tempt God. So what does God incarnate say? Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. He attacked him with the word of God, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So, folks, you're going to go out of here today, and most of you, before this day is over, you're going to be in a war. Maybe on the freeway, maybe with your spouse, maybe with your kids, maybe with me, <laughs> maybe with most anybody. You're going to find yourself attacked. What are you going to do? You're going to remember this morning, and you're going to say, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Therefore, taking up the whole armor of God, stand. And having done all, stand, stand, therefore, stand. 
or an occasionally run stand. Armed and fight and have the opportunity to just be, I'm going to use the sophisticated words now, that we may all be warriors invincible. You know, there's almost no delight as great as winning a war. So go about and win your war.